0: What up? This is Dart Adams, and this is the 100th and final episode of Dart Against Humanity. The first episode of Dart Against Humanity I recorded was April 22nd, 2018. How did I get there? First, I'd, I had the idea to do a podcast as early as 2015 from um, listen to the Combat Jack show. I had done... A, podcast-ish show years ago um, between 2010 and 2011 it was called The Scrunch Face Show it was myself uh, it was um, Eric and Travis from Two Dope Boys and Wake Your Daughter Up we were part of a a collective blog called um, Blogger House take off of Slaughterhouse Uh, right when In 2010, right when Guru went into a coma, uh, people were asking me for my take and information on Guru and his Boston ties, what have you, and um, it was crazy because we were asked to, okay, so Eric had some boys that had a show, online radio show, called The Bobble Gods. And I was asked to go on there and talk about Guru. And there were a lot of rumors about Guru and what was going on and him being in a coma for how long and nobody knowing and all this shit going on about like Solar and Solar holding back the family from seeing him. And he hadn't talked to Premiere in years and his own family was like, what's like what's going on? There was a whole lot of shit going on on Twitter. So I you know ran down like the history of guru from Keitha E gangstar posse uh crew foundation all that i just ran down a whole list of like stuff going back to like 1986 you know talked about the demos talked about when we first heard the lesson and and, like, all the demos and everything else. And, like, the first releases on Wild Pitch, K-Tel, and how there were two Gang Stars at one time. You had Gang Star on um, Wild Pitch, and then you had Gang Star back in Boston on One To Be Down Records. But they had a star in their name, Gang Star. There was a star instead of a an A. And then when Gang Star got signed to um, Chrysalis EMI in 1990, going into 1991... Gangstar Posse couldn't be Gangstar Posse anymore, so he had to change the name to Posse NFX, and they recorded on a, um, a local label called Fatigue. But I went through that whole history and everything, and I was invited on to this Bobble Gods show, and they were terrible. They were all over the place. The show was paced weird. They were trying too hard, and like, I was clearly the best thing about the show when I came on and like Eric was like, yo man, you're a natural. And he had to twist my arm and convince me to go on. I was like, I want to do fucking like, why would I do online, like online radio? That's not what I I write. And so I did that and we saw how disjointed the show was and how terrible it was. And we were immediately like, we could do a show better than this. So we wanted to use that same channel And like, hey, could we get a show? Problem is that it was connected to like FM radio or something like that And they were like, look If you're going to play any music You need permission from the artists And you have to use this bandwidth And we were like, okay So we online, I went out and asked Like, "Could we get permission from the artists? We got like permission from like 15 artists I reached out to like 40 And then we had our playlist set up. we had to do, our turnaround was like twenty four hours or something stupid. So we did the radio show, and as we're about to do the radio show, we get permission from other people, so i'm like I'm adding more songs to the playlist and so we went on and did our first episode, and we got interrupted three times because there was a flash flood warning in some part of the country, and we had four listeners. Nobody heard that first, that first um, episode we did. Nobody heard it. We didn't record it. So that was like our test episode. Then we went back, got our own server. Uh, they had a kid named Owen who did all this stuff for them. Got their own server. Got their own site. Uh, we didn't have to worry about getting permission for, mu- for music. I created a playlist we sent it to uh, St. Mike, Mike Moxham, who's in um, Virginia, who's a world-class um, engineer. He's done some engineering work for some of the big names. Like, we would get guests all the time, uh, like uh, DJ Unknown. We got Mocha Only, because he did all the Mocha Only's albums back in the days. He was associated with a Japanese label, um... That I can't think of the name right this minute. I'm going to actually Google it. But we did the radio show. And people liked it. Then we did it again. And again. And again. And again. And we did the show for, I believe, 52 episodes between, like, maybe April? April of May? May 2010 until... October 2011. I remember the last episode I we did. I was watching the Red Sox cough up a huge lead that they had in the season and get uh eliminated before the playoffs by like the Tampa Bay Rays and I was just despondent. And the thing was that St. Mike was getting busier with the with his studio and doing work and he had like a new kid and stuff like that and I knew we weren't going to come back and do another episode like life had just gotten too crazy. We weren't going to come back and do that show anymore. So it ended. And the thing about the the Scrunch Face show is that we did a lot of things first. We had a lot of great interviews. We I had the episode where Clip Mode Sound Agency officially announced but didn't announce the their dissolute. their they were on um, No longer going to be clip mode, but they were always going to be boys and they played a bunch of music. Knowledge played some beats from a beat tape that he was going to release the next day. So you heard it first there. Uh, A whole lot of stuff. We interviewed DiBiase. We had an interview, a great interview with. um, With uh, uh, Grap Lover, we had a fantastic interview with Odyssey. We did we played uh Kate Renata, We were one of the places to play Kate Renata shit first. Like even before uh he started getting played on like um what was the other place? Uh Solection. Like we were ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. And all those episodes are lost. Because the server that we had uploaded them to, I never downloaded all the episodes. I think the only time I ever did was when we um, we went in a syndication for a hot minute and we sent the episodes. Here's another thing we did. I do these episodes. These episodes are 45 minutes to 50 something minutes each. Our episodes used to run hours. Hours. We did our show on a Sunday night. Our shows used to run for hours. Our shows ran so long that people used to have to get off because they had to go to work the next day. We had an episode that we did, uh, the Wu-Tang Pulp episode. The episode was like four hours long. It was hilarious. We covered every aspect of the Wu. We talked about everything. We were playing music. We played Cappadonna's... Uh, the Yin and the Yang album, which was horrible. We were talking about all the Wu affiliates. We had ourselves a grand old time. But the thing was that I had an idea of what to do podcast-ish on the radio, and I had done something similar. And what that led to me doing was I did a whole bunch of different um, online radio shows. Uh, Kim Brown, I was the guest on the Kim Brown show back in like 2010, 2011. I would talk about like hip-hop and put that in, put that in context for her. Um, on her show, she was the first person ever put me on doing anything. So thank you, Kim. I know she's back. Um, on the radio doing stuff. Uh, there was uh, Underdog Radio, which started off on Unregular Radio in Boston, and then then went to uh, another uh, platform, and then became Overdog. It was Underdog Radio, then it became Overdog Radio when it switched over. Uh, I did Beach Rhymes in Life with um with uh Jillian and um or Miss J D she's known and um Jaso, Jackie Soriano and um Leah V then I started uh hanging out at like different places. Uh I ended up um doing radio with uh, my boy uh, Dana Scott. He had Mucinomics on MIT, which is like an iconic space to be in. The first two big like radio shows in Boston that covered rap on the radio were on MIT. One was The Ghetto, which was like the second ever hip-hop radio show dedicated to, to rap in the country, and people don't know that. And the other one that like really cemented Boston's legacy uh, in the hip-hop scene was Lecos Lemma, which is the first place we hear uh, a young Edo G when he was Edo Rock with FTI crew. Uh, we get a uh, gangstar, posse gangstar crew down there. Um, first, you get the original RSO crew, you get the body rock crew uh, with my cousin uh, back when he was Emo E before he became um, E Devious, before he became um, tw- um, Twice Thou and owner of Antonio Insaldi Clothing. So there was just a whole lot of history. And this is before, like, uh, uh, John Schechter and Dave Mays with uh, Def Jeff at the time, DJ Jeff Jeff of RSO, start the Street Beat radio show at Harvard. So then the floodgates open, you know, you have Rap Explosion, you have all these other Boston radio shows, WERS, 88 at night, um, so then everything just exploded. WRBB, W-R-R-B-B, Boston, Boston. And like, so it was like everything just exploded from that time on. But what I'm saying is that I oh, I had gotten into radio, but I didn't have a podcast formatted like the ones we have now. And I got the idea from being a guest, a regular guest on the Combat Jack show. Back when the Combat Jack show used to be live. And it used to broadcast from PNC Studios in in Brooklyn near Dumbo. And a bunch of my friends had shows on PNC. Um, Talisa D had the show called The B Word. Um... There was like a bunch of other, my other friends that had radio shows going on over there, and they used to hang out. I used to call in, and that's where like I kind of got my name a little bit after the you know the scrunch face show then i started then I started on um skyhook Radio we did a show called on the Radio, and we would do these live shows and conversations that if you weren't listening the first time, no one would believe that we said what we said. It was myself, it was Sky. it was Jeroby, um there was occasionally we had uh head crack, occasionally um Travi of the Bodega brothers. We had um a bunch of other people, like, they would just come on, and we would just go crazy, and the first time I was invited, it was myself and um, Alvin Blanco, Aqua 174, for a lot of y'all who don't know who he is, and he was talking about his, give you an idea how long ago this was, he was talking about his, his new Wu-Tang book, he wrote a book about the Wu-Tang Clan, and I went on there, and I acted a goddamn fool, I said some stuff about um Elliot Wilson. I said that I'd rather be um what did I say? Oh yeah I remember. The thing that the thing that went crazy on the on on the internets and you had to be around for it was I said I'd rather be Chris Brown's publicist than uh work for J Electronica because he was such a frustration like he didn't put out anything so like so people heard it and they were just like yo this show is crazy and the thing was there was no recording if you didn't hear it then you never heard it so I kind of got a name from that and I kind of knew like yeah I would like to do something podcasty but at the time I studied podcasting and you needed a mic needed all this other fucking gear. And this is back in the days when people were doing you streams. And I was like, I don't have I don't wanna use like a camera. I don't wanna buy a mic. I don't wanna buy a setup. And I was like really broke back then too. I wasn't doing well. Like fifty dollars either way could've could have put me in a bad a bad situation back in the days, you know? Even when I did get paid, like my rates were so low and I had to wait so long to get a check that it would be eaten up by the time it came. So it was lean times for me. So I was not going to really be able to do a podcast, especially the way the podcasting world was set up and what you needed to pod- to be a podcaster. So 2015, as you all know, I've covered it. I quit journalism entirely to go into the, to become a, run my label, be laying our another label and do consultations. I did that between 2000, like, August 2015 and then like late 2016 when everything ran its course and I was like, I'm not putting out any more music, fuck that. And um, my boy, uh, his label, he was just like, I'm good. So Left to Center, he was good with Left to Center. I was not releasing anything else with producers I know unless I was rich. So what happens? I get called back into the space of rap journalism. People like, hey, so um, we want you to write this. We want you to do this bio. We want you to do this. We want you to write this. We want you to do this column. We want you to do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I say, fuck it. You have to pay me this much. Thinking they're going to be like, we out. We leave you alone. And OK Player was like, all right, cool. I'm like, wait, what? Fine. So I start writing again. Then I get hit up. On Twitter by Bucky Turco, he DMs me. He's like, hey, yo, Dart, what you doing? I'm like, "Um, nothing. He was like, yo, what's your number? I'm like, what the fuck is this about? He calls me, and he pretty much tells me. He's like, look, I'm over at Mass Appeal. I got this position. Um, this, this looks like I'm about to be an editor over here. And uh, I told everybody, you need to have your own column. I don't want you writing about new shit. I don't want you doing all these other people do. Just do you. Do whatever you want. Do you have any ideas? Now, I had a column running uh, between 2014 and 2015 with the site called The Stashed, which was funded by um, Translation, which is Steve Stout's company. Uh, And it was through somebody I no longer fuck with. If you find out who who ran the stash, it'll, it'll be pretty easy to to know who who I'm talking about. And if you know anything about the internet or Twitter, it it will come to you pretty cu- quickly why I don't fuck with that person anymore. Anyway, so um, I was like, yeah, I had this um column called Knowledge Darts, and it didn't end in the way I would like for it to end. So I want to continue it. I got the name Knowledge Darts from the Deesis versus Merrill podcast that used to um run on Complex. And it would say something smooth but like Knowledge Dart, like Knowledge Dart. And I was like, yo, that's 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 me, Knowledge Dart. Like like you know that's what I do, you know what I'm saying? I it's a knowledge I was like, fuck it, I'm running with that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to call it Knowledge Darts. So I did a full year of Knowledge Darts from Mid to late January to late to late December, the last week of December that same year. And what happened was um Combat Jack was um, diagnosed with colon cancer, and then he passed away, and I get the news that he passed away, then later that day, I go to a show, it's, um, Static Selector spinning at an Adidas event for the ugly-ass Pro Fear sneaker, and it's gonna be, um, Action Bronson and, and uh, Alchemist is DJing. So I'm there for like all my people and I'm there. Everybody's there. And then Static is like, yo, I want to pay, um, pay respects to my man, Combat Jack. And we're just all in the room. just like, you know, because like Combat Jack had a connection to Boston because the people that used to record his show when he was on YouTube were Bostonians. Like those were my people that used to come down and be like, yo, Dart, you should come down, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Because I always wanted to come down of my own term on my own terms. I didn't want to be like the guy who's on because I'm friends with you. I want to have my own thing. I hate it when people are like envious of somebody, like they want their job, they want their position, or they just want to be put on. No, I want to earn what I get. And I don't want your job, I want my job. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I see somebody has a position that I would have liked to do, then I just work my ass off until I get a similar position doing something else, you know, not their job. Don't envy somebody else's job. They work for that job. But somebody's looked at them and said, I think you'd be perfect for this. Get your own opportunity. Work your ass off and get your own shit. So like, that was my whole thing. So I didn't want to just come on the show and be like, I'm just here as furniture. I want to have something that I'm here for. It's like anybody else comes on. You know what I'm saying? I don't just want to be the dude ins- inserting jokes and-, and shit in the back. No, no. Or I'm just here. And then we talk to the real guest. I want to be the guest. Neither here nor there. So Combat Jack passes away and I'm there at the show and I get a my phone. I get an email. I check my email and it's an email from Mass Appeal saying they're not going to be retaining me going into, 20, into the next year. So I'm like, yo, could I just do a, um, a RIP piece to uh, Combat Jack? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I go home and I write that piece like five, six times. And I send it in. And at the time, my editor was Rob Kenner. And uh, one of the best editors I've had ever. And he's like, yo, this is some powerful shit. We're going to run this. It's been a pleasure working with you. I was like, yeah, it's cool. So that runs. It's like the 42nd piece or something I did. I did did 42 pieces over um, over that year. So that's the last piece I do. And in that final piece, I write that I have a podcast coming called dart against humanity believe that's december 2017 i write that now mind you i didn't have any fucking way to have a podcast i didn't have any place to record it i didn't have any any equipment nothing let's back let's backtrack the original idea for me having a podcast was going to be this thing called um, Flash Drives and Ox Chords. How did I come up with it? I uh, judged a gang of beat battles and I was in a whole bunch of cars of producers and DJs and beat makers and people, and again, I ran producers, I know, so people used to always play me beats. And whenever they played me beats, they would want to do one of two things. We'd be in a car or we be outside, we'd be somewhere. They would ask somebody to pass them the aux cord. They would stick it into their phone and they would play beats off their phone. Or they would have a laptop or something next to them and they would have a flash drive. And on the flash drive, they have folders of beats. They put the flash drive in, they load the beats on the laptop and play them. When we're in a car, Somebody's like, yo, you wanna hear this shit? They, yo, pass me, pass the ox, pass the ox. Take the ox chord, they stick it in, they play it, and they play the beats on their phone. When I judge your beat battles, one of the things we used to, one of the models is Mark Merrin would say is make shit work. So when we played beat battles, go back and forth, sometimes shit wasn't synced up right or whatever, hooked up right, so you could play right off your equipment. So sometimes people had to share an ox chord. So pass the ox, pass the ox. And people would beat battle. Using the same ox chord. Go beat for beat. We called it tune for tune. And um, it was that thing I noticed. I was like, yo. In this world. With music discovery. Playing new shit. Sharing music. It all boils down to two things. Flash drives and ox chords. And when these kids discover music. And these young people discover music. Whether it's on SoundCloud whether it's on YouTube, whether they're playing a, uh, a streaming something or, 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 or a mix or listening to some some podcast or something or going on a... It always comes down to a flash drive or an aux cord. People would be in an Uber or something or a Lyft and they would ask for like the aux and they would just like play music while they're in the car, so everything boiled down to a flash drive, on Oscord, and I came up with this in late two thousand fifteen. So I was like, "Yo, that shit is brilliant." When I was like, when I when I started, when I got the idea first, and there was a guy, uh, there was a guy. He still exists. So Pigpen, he had a, a beat tape coming out, and he sent it to me. I was like, "Yo, you know, it'd be a dope name for it." flash drives and ox cords, and I explained the whole concept to him, and he's like, uh, no, I want to call it incredibly illegal, I already, have the, I already have the cover, you know, you know that Lyman uh, thing organization cover, the black and white with like the gun, it's like, I have a mock-up version of that, it's going to be dope, he sends it to me, I'm like, yeah, call it incredibly illegal, that's way better, what the fuck was I thinking, so I have this flash drives and oxcores idea, and I'm like, yo, I want to have a podcast, so I get hit up, by Sky, and Sky's like, yo, um, I want to give you your own show, I was like, I have a perfect idea, flash drives and ox chords, blah, 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 so she's like, oh, that's dope, I was like, yeah, it's going to be about music discovery and everything else, so she's just like, all right, cool, I'll give you a slot, and I was like, I'll tell you when, when it can run and everything, and I was like, okay, but what am I going to do for recording and stuff like that, she was like, all you got to do is get, get a mic, get, do this, do this, do this, and I'm like, I'm not doing none of that. So then the time came and she hit me up and was like, So, are you like about ready to go? I'm like, No. And then she was like, Well, I was gonna give you this time slot. And the time slot would have been between the two biggest shows in the scene LFOD, another show that I always appeared on regularly, LFOD Radio, Live Free or Die, which is at um, Tufts University. And the other show was Overdog Radio. They came on right after each other. And my podcast was going to be in the middle and um, bleed into one of the other. And I was like, I am not doing it. I was like, the scene and my people are too important to me. And no, I don't want to do that. So I gave up a free slot on the radio to do a podcast that was given me because I didn't want to separate or splinter or make people in the scene have to choose me over the other two big radio stations to support the scene. And I was just like, fuck it, I'll probably never do a podcast. Fast forward to me writing in late, in December 2017, I'm going to start a podcast. My podcast is going to be called Dart Against Humanity. And I write that. And everybody reads this shit. And they're like, oh, yo, we're looking forward to Dart Against Humanity. So it kind of like pushed me like, oh, motherfucker, you better put out Dart Against Humanity now. And I was like, all right, I have no equipment. I have no way to record a podcast. Um, I have no place to record it at. And I heard about things like the podcast garage and all these different places that like, had people who recorded podcasts and you need an editor and you need somebody to do the sound and I had done radio at different places. I'd gone to unregular. I'd gone to um to dig radio. You know, I'd been at the uh, the other spot that recorded uh um overdog. So there were like three different places I know there's like you go in, they're physical places you walk into, you go upstairs. There's people working behind the counter, you know. There's people turning knobs, there's people turning stuff on, and all this other shit. Well, I go to all these other places, so I start studying the scene and figuring out what's a good place for me to go to record this podcast or, you know, a good scene. And then I realize, like, I don't want to have to go anywhere where I have to set up a time or a schedule. I want to record when I want to record, I want to do it. You know, whenever I want to do it and I don't want to have to worry about editing and something going wrong. And can we get into the building and it's flooding and all those stupid shit? So I was just like, I don't know. So I'm going back and forth, uh, interviewing all these different people, auditioning. And it's March 2018. And I still don't really have any place that I'm like comfortable with. I go to Harvard, I always go to Harvard, post-COVID can't do it, um, so I went to Harvard to, the, to this thing, this event, and um, Sycamore was giving a speech at the Harvard Hip Hop Archive, Sycamore is the person who's responsible for me starting my blog career, I see him, he sees me, we start talking, we start laughing, telling jokes and shit, and there's like a whole bunch of my friends. And one of them happens to be, you know, architect, but also um, John Glass and some other folks. And John telling me about they telling me about these two new um, apps. One is this one called Vero. It's a, a social media for creatives. Google what happened to Vero. It went to shit pretty quickly when it found out something crazy about the investors. The founders. So that went to the wayside really quick. It died. It died a quick death. You know, the other app he told me about was this new podcasting app that you could do straight from your iPhone. And you could do everything yourself. And it just uses the microphone from your phone. And you don't need anything else. It does everything. It does the distribution, everything. And he said it's called Anchor. So I'm like, what? So I check out Anchor, and I'm like, yo, I can do everything and distribute my podcast from my fucking iPhone. That's crazy, because I'm stupid when it comes to technology and everything else. Like, I'm the person who needed to use Blogger, and then was like, oh, get your own site. I was like, cool, um, uh... WordPress is too much stuff going on with it. I don't code or nothing, so I'ma use Tumblr. Like, get a site. I use Tumblr. Like, I'm that person. So Anchor was perfect for my dumbass. I'm really smart in certain areas, and other areas, I'm fucking terrible. Like when I got my new my new MacBook. I was texting back and forth from my brother and he had him like IT because I was like, what's this new thing? What's this newfangled thing? I have to put in the number after my, um, after my, uh, I, after my ID. I have to do this every single time. I have to do two, uh, two step authentic- authentication to do everything. I can't just use stuff like, God damn, it's a pain in the ass. He was like, when's the last time you got a new laptop? I was like, you were there. So that happened, and then April twenty second, twenty eighteen, I upload the first episode of Dart Against Humanity. After spending like almost two weeks learning the ins and outs of the app, and the thing was that I didn't have a um, I didn't have a. Uh, A picture or like a logo for the app but I had an idea what it was I was in uh, Newberry comics I'm in Newberry comics and I see this thing called Cards Against Humanity and I see Cards Against Humanity it's just a plain black background with the simple font Cards Against Humanity and I see it and I'm like yo That'd be dope if I dart against humanity. Dart against humanity. Fuck it. That's it. I'm going to have a dart against humanity. That's going to be the name of the thing. That's going to be what I do. That's that's what I'm going to name it when I get a podcast. I'm going to call it Dart Against Humanity. I'm going to use that. Now, I had the idea. I said my my podcast was going to be Dart Against Humanity on a thing that everybody read. And some people told me they cried when they read it. I'm like, oh, that's great. So now I really have to do it. Then it takes me close to five months to finally start it, and I don't have a logo. I just have an idea. So, Noom Nera, shout out Noom, E-N-E-W-M, capital N-E-R-A, he was actually there at Harvard, and I'm like, yo, man, I need a logo for a thing. It was like, my idea is like, yo, that's a dope idea. It was like... I'll tell you what, I'll send you some mock-ups or whatever, and like I'll, I'll email it to you. So he sends me one, I'm like, make the font smaller. Sends me another one, all right, make that closer. Sends me the third one, I'm like, that's perfect. Exactly that. So he shoots it to me, and then I had the Dart Against Humanity logo. Which I've run for all 100 episodes. I didn't have a logo. I had nothing. So I did everything by the fucking seat of my pants. I didn't know anything about distribution. I didn't know anything about getting more uh, distributors. I didn't know anything about uh, podcasts, sting at all. I didn't know anything about the world, you know. And I had to learn on the fly. And the thing is that Anchor didn't really help me learn shit. If anything, my time on Anchor has really been spent me trying to figure out what in the entire fuck is going on. So, like, for instance, right now, this is my 100th episode of Dart Against Humanity um, and last I have, between all the distributors, I have 45 distributors that I know about. You start out with, you. your most you can get through Anchor is 13. You start out with maybe three or four. Then you get five. Then you get six. Then it turns to eight. Then you got to check on the other ones. Then, you know, it gets to 10. And then, like, at some point, you get all 13, Right? But here's the thing. It doesn't tell you about the other distributors out there that are carrying your podcast that you don't even fucking know about. And when you go to look up like any stats or anything like that, it'll say like Apple Podcasts. Like for me, Apple Podcasts is 58% of my listeners, Spotify, 7%, Stitcher's 3%, Anchor's 3%. Then there's other, 29%. Who the fuck is that? And the thing is that you just get the idea that there's a, there might has to be more, more podcasts, uh, distributors out there that they don't know about. And these numbers aren't entirely accurate. They can't be, right? Because Apple Podcasts will be, sometimes it'll be like, at one point it was like 61%, then it was 60%. Those was 59%. Then it's down to 57 And Spotify was one point, it was up to 11%. Then it was down to 10. Then it was down to eight. Then it down, and I was down to seven. And then Stitcher and Anchor, they were like a whole bunch of other things that had three, three, 3%, 4%, 3%. And then others got into like 30% of my listenership at most. And that's when I knew. I was like, these motherfuckers don't know where my other listeners are. And I'll tell you right now, I'll run down the list of every uh, podcast distributor that I have. And I had to find out all these other distributors by going to other sites and asking, like Googling podcast distributors. And it'd be like, um, where well, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. And another thing that tipped me off was um, Smart URL. Go to Smart URL, it tells you more. Podcast distributors and like, I never even heard of that one, and then you go to different um sites and they'll tell you things like, you can submit here, you can submit here, you can submit here, you know, and you'll be wondering it's like, how do I get on different um different spaces like how do I get my podcast here? Can I submit there? Or if it gets added somewhere else, it automatically ends up there. Like, uh, my, I have a list of my podcast distribution links. So this one has Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, used to have Google Play, but Google Play is getting shut down. Um, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I had to submit to iHeartRadio myself. Pandora, had to submit to Pandora myself. Stitcher, I already had Stitcher. Player FM, I believe I had to submit to Player FM. Overcast, Castbox, Pocket Cast, Pocket Cast already came with the app. Breaker, already came with that. Radio Public, TuneIn, Listen Notes, Acast, I had to find Blueberry, didn't know it existed. B L U B R R Y. Himalaya, I had to find Himalaya I'm on. Podbean, Podbay, Podknife, Podchaser, PodFanatic, Podplayer, Pod Hound, um, Podtail, Pod News, Pod Podpara- Paradise, Pod Toppin, which is overseas somewhere, Castro, U Book, which I found j- just by chance, MyTuner, Vox Dope and IVooks, I V O O X, didn't know that existed. Bullhorn, word, F Y Y D, which I found randomly on some site that was like you could submit here and Castune didn't know that existed. Radio, just flat out radio, R A D I O, Chartable, Backtracks, Owl Tail, O W L T A I L, Owl Tail. Um, Mix Cloud. And then of course there's Mix Cloud, which I upload to myself, Audio Mac, which I upload to myself, which is gonna be a problem now because I used to have a um verified account with Twitter. Now my Twitter's hacked, so I don't know how I'm going to upload the Audio Mac. Uh SoundCloud and Audio Burst, which is an app that like directs you to other places, it takes clips of your episodes and then puts it everywhere. And Amazon Alexa. I told you the story about how Amazon Alexa number plays used to come up on um Anchor and then it disappeared. That's how I knew I was on Amazon Alexa. And likely I've been told that my it's on other places. But since I'm not a member, I can't access them and know that I'm there. But if you go to different places and you were asked for Dart Against Humanity, it would play it. So I know of 45 different distributors. It could be 50 globally, right? Now, again, 13 of those you know about, you're told about. Uh, When you go to distribution, when you go to distribution on Anchor, those are the ones that they tell you about. Like right now I'm recording this episode and it's like untitled and it's held because it hasn't been named or anything yet. Now the whole time I've run this podcast I've had one sponsor well one monthly supporter I should say Durwood Vanderhoop One. 99 cents per month let me tell you The. Ninety nine cents per month held me down. This podcast has run thirty months. Of those thirty months, I believe I've been I've actually sponsorship kicked in. um, It took a while. Like I think my whole first season, I didn't make any money because I there was no sponsors. There were no sponsors yet. So I've had the same sponsorship from Anchor for like a year. The ones that ended, I told you on the previous episode. Had one for Anchor, Flipboard, Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet, Mic Line, Anchor Voice, and Thinking Big with Maisie Williams, which I don't even think still exists. I told you last week I ignored all the charity promotions because if you ain't going to pay me, I don't give a fuck. Um, But... I'm looking for distribution settings. That's where it is. Settings distribution. So distribution tells you about your RSS feed, Anchor, Breaker, CastBox, Google Play Music, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. That's all they give you. So you have to figure out everything else yourself. And then there are bigger places that like I was never able to get my podcast on like one in particular I can't remember what the fuck it's called um but uh it was pretty big and I always had trouble um getting on there and it turns out it was because my My RSS feed or whatever came up in the wrong format that they supported or something stupid. No, it's crazy because it's a really big podcast um, distributor, and it's going to drive me crazy that I can't figure out which one it is. But anyways, like this whole podcast thing is over. I'm going to go off and do something else. Um, It's going to be a a wrap for me doing a podcast by myself, speaking into a phone, uh, but... I just want to let y'all know where I was when I started this podcast versus where I am today. As I do this podcast right now, sitting on my couch on October 15th, 2020. This afternoon, I did a photo shoot for the Boston Globe for a feature I'm going to um, be in later on. Yesterday... A feature ran in NPR music through WGBH, which is the local, um, local, uh, uh, PBS thing, but also NPR has WBUR in in Boston, really big NPR outlet and, uh, uh, article called city scenes, how Boston's DIY hip hop community is fending for itself ran and it quoted me, uh, few days ago, I was invited as a special guest to the Massachusetts, uh, uh, the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And I went to see an exhibit called Writing the Future, Basquiat and the Hip Hop Generation. I got to see that before anybody else as a special guest. It runs from um, October 18th, 2020 to May 16th, 2021. It's amazing. There's some pictures on my um, Instagram, which is dart underscore Adams, which hasn't been hacked, thank God. But if you can get out to Boston and come to the Museum of Fine Arts and see it for your own, see it for yourself, writing the future, Basquiat and Hip Hop Generation, please do it. There's a book for the um, there's a book for it, same name, uh, writing the future, Basquiat and Hip Hop Generation. You can get that through Amazon. Um, I actually have it. It's well worth it. The exhibit is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's mind blowing for somebody who's a hip hop fanatic uh the culture, the art scene, the downtown art scene, and who grew up loving basquiat reading art forum, and all these all these other things when and who remembers when he was alive key I remember when basquiat was alive um it's amazing to see him put in context with his contemporaries and his friends in hip hop. Because they always put him next to Schnabel and and they always put him next to Warhol or somebody else, you know, in the art scene to, like, give him legitimacy. He didn't need legitimacy, you know. So another thing I want to tell you all about is there will be a new book by me from Super Champ in 2021 uh, it's a book, it's an anthology of retrospectives. I do historical retrospectives. It's going to be a bunch of those. Look, we're looking at between 20 and 24 that are going to be um, included in this next book. We're going to try to get it out in 2021. Working on um, the pieces right now, I've outlined what I want in there. We're trying to get it reformatted. Some of the stuff needs editing. Some of the pieces are older and like need updating. I, I'm going to do that, but I want to get that out in 2021 for people. Uh There's a book that I uh, I fact-checked From my boy Hanif Abdurraqib It just went into pre-order It's coming out from Penguin Books It's going to come out March 30th, 2021 The book is called A Little Devil in America Notes and Praise of Black Performance It's an amazing book I know because I read it And I fact-checked it And I read it over and over And I had long conversations and emails with Hanif about this book. It is amazing. And I'm somebody who reads a lot. Right now, I have Marcus J. Moore's The Butterfly Effect, Blueprints to 10 Traits of Successful Hip Hop Artists. Um, I'm still reading. I've read it several times, but I love reading it. Laurent Fentoni's Bedroom Beats and B-Sides. On Velocity Press. I'm going to get another book from Velocity Press. This is one about synths. You know, I want to put that next to um, Dustin' Grooves and, Groves and um, Beatbox by Joe Mansfield. Jo- Beatbox is a drum machine obsession. I want to put that right next to Beatbox, the synth book. But yeah, on Velocity Press. The pre is still up now. I'm about to like uh pre order it now. Um I'm waiting for a, um the book from Candice McDuffie. The about the um fifty the about the fifty rappers, waiting for that one. Clover Hope has one called The Mother About a hundred uh a hundred uh, women in rap. Uh find that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that book. Um I have a whole bunch of pieces that I've uh, fact checked for uh, Shea Serrano's upcoming Halfway Books series. It's looking like we're gonna have I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have them all uh, fact checked at least by Halloween, and then they should be out before like you know by the, like the holiday season. Definitely looking forward to that. I'm doing a lot of work. Um, I'm getting busy. I have a lot of projects in the works. Um, I'm gonna tomorrow. I'm probably going to get back up with, um, my boy Sean from the label, what was for Boston. And, you know, we we'll are gonna get back up with Peta and we're going to talk about what we're going to do going to 2021 with, um, Boston legends. Now that I have, you know, free time to do it. But when this podcast started, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I wasn't doing great. If you listen to early episodes, I kind of alluded that I'm doing okay, but, you know, shit can go left and I can be ass out at any moment. As of the time I'm doing this episode, I'm good and we're in a pandemic. I'm fine. I'm okay. Things are looking up. Given the circumstances, I'm pretty good, and that being the case, this podcast has outlived its usefulness, and I've outgrown it, and it's y'all deserve something better. Not saying this was bad, but I could, I can do more. I can execute better now. I've had enough experience in different spaces and done enough things and seen enough stuff and have enough connections where I have bigger aspirations, but also I want to give you better quality stuff where I don't, don't get me wrong. I think I did a fairly good job of podcasting, talking into an iPhone, now an iPhone XR, about to be iPhone 11 because the 12's coming out. Why do I still have iPhone XR? I can get the 11. Makes sense. But I can do more. I've seen other people make moves. You know, I've seen other people do podcasts. I've seen other people's uh, media. And I'm like, I can do better. You know, it's not so much as I can do better than them. I can do better than what I'm doing. When I listen to episodes of What Had Happened Was, with Open Mike Eagle, you know, and, and, and Prince Paul, when I listen to episodes of Dead Bod Rap, um, Rap Pod, you know, when I listen to episodes of Break the Atoms, you know, when I listen to Heat Rocks, I know I can do more. When I listen to Questlove Supreme, I know I could be doing more. Instead of just me like holding y'all hostage for an hour at a time, talking into an iPhone. I mean, I can give you a whole bunch of information and all this other stuff, but, you know, again, my mind races. When I'm doing a lecture or something like that and I can interact with people, I can be I can go into the funny stretch. I can explain things. I can bounce stuff off the audience. It's a different energy than me being in my own head. Talking, not knowing When I should shut up or when I should stop. And the other part is, I know this is the last time I do this. So I'm super conscious of how this episode is going to end because this is how the whole series is going to end. And the whole thing I just want to tell you is that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Thank you for spreading the podcast and listening, even though my Twitter account is hacked. And I thought that was the way I was getting the word out about these episodes until I realized that I'm getting the same amount and sometimes more listens without using my Twitter account, my verified Twitter account with 21000 uh, subscribers or even putting it on my um, Instagram People listen because they listen. And now that I know that, I'm good with what happens next. And I want to thank you all for supporting this podcast. A hundred episodes, it ends with between 55 and 60,000 listens, which is an average of 550 to 600 listens per episode. And I think the biggest, the most listens one episode got is like 2,000 or something crazy. But again, every listen means something to me because I'm not one of those big name people that like does a podcast and gets 15,000 listens or 20,000 listens per episode like is required for some of these Podcast distributors, which blew my fucking mind when I saw it. I'm like, people get that many listens? Jesus Christ. What do they do? Anyways. It's a wrap. Thank you for listening. Next thing I do is going to be bigger and better. Because I learned from my experiences doing this. And fucking up. And sometimes getting it right. But then fucking up. Then sometimes getting it right. And I want anybody who comes after me. Who does the same thing. To do better. That's why I share information. That's why I say the things I say. I'm not one of those people. That wants to withhold information. And have you have you go through the same pitfalls I did. No. The whole purpose for me doing this. And so I run out here and I get hit with the bullets so y'all or I hit the landmine and blow up so y'all know where not to step. That's the whole purpose of this thing. I want better for everybody else. I think you deserve better. That's why the next thing I do is going to be better. But it's all because I went through these experiences I have. And I'm going to come out better for it. So thank you for being part of that process. It's a wrap. One.